Today's scripture reading is James 5, 12 to 20. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Hello once again, uh, we welcome you here at Weston Park Baptist Church. Uh, today we're concluding our series on the book of James, uh, James writing to the first century church in Jerusalem, um, primarily a Jewish community, so it makes sense that he's speaking to this community on the way of wisdom, as the wisdom Torah uh, was a big theme in terms of the Jewish heritage. So. It comes down to us as a piece of wisdom literature. And as we've been going through, a few themes have uh, come up, so I think I'll just mention them as we carry on here. That James is about mercy triumphing over judgment. James 2.13, I like that statement, mercy, uh, forgiveness, of. Uh, walking with one another rather than judging, I think, you know, is very, very important. And it's interesting that James makes a big deal about that. So a church is to be a community of concern, a community of love. Mercy triumphing over judgment. At the same time, it's not about perfectionism, but an honest heart before God. It, it, we're never gonna be perfect, we all know that. And when we try to be, when, when perfectionists Perfectionism is driving us. That's a, that's a sad way to live. And, it, and it's a defeatist attitude because uh, it's so hard to attain. I've had students over the years who are excellent students, do wonderful work, but they are driven by perfectionism. And what will happen is they'll do an assignment and the assignment just blows everybody away, blows me away. Like it's, wow, that's amazing. And then the next couple of assignments, they, they won't even do, they won't even turn in because they can't, they don't have enough time to achieve what they really want to achieve, so they just don't do it. Of course, that's a hard way to go through school, right? If you miss assignments, you get zeros, you're not gonna do well. So perfectionism can be a problem, and, and when we treat each other out of that paradigm, we have problems. So it's not about perfectionism, but an honest heart before God. Thirdly, we've heard we are not to be double-minded, but to be single-minded. That's the focus that James keeps going after with regards to will one thing. And having said all that, it's not to live in discouragement, 
but to go forward in hope. Our, our horizon is always one of hope. No matter what goes on in our world, globally or locally, in our own lives, as Christians, as followers of Christ, it's about hope. We go forward in hope, not in discouragement. So that is where James has been going, and he's carrying on here as we conclude the letter. And a, a big idea for James is how we communicate with one another. So as we know, there's been a lot of discussion about speech. And that makes sense, because in the first century, speech was the way that people communicated. It's interesting that even in letter writing, the letter would be sent with someone. There wasn't post, as we know it, obviously. So the letter would be sent, but then the person carrying the letter would actually explain the letter. So they would go beyond the letter, what's written, to elaborate on it. That was part of the deal. So it, it, it still emphasizes the importance of speech. So James is very concerned how we talk with one another because that's, that's going to define the body life of the, of the community. Today, we have different forms of communication, obviously. We have emails, we have text, you know, the internet. We have all kinds of ways, different social media. So we communicate in different ways, but more than speech. But in some ways, we're less careful with the whole thing. We're less careful with our speech because it's modified by our social media platforms. And then on social media, we just forget everything because it's just this anonymous listener out there or whatever, and we say whatever. Meanwhile, we're not nuancing it. We're not, we're not shaping it in a way we probably would face to face. We just blast each other. That's unhelpful. So in many ways, our own speech patterns are more complicated than they were in the first century. And yet in the first century, James is going overboard here about how we speak to one another. So we need to hear that as well. So how do we connect? What, what's the spirit of our faith community? What's the spirit that we ourselves radiate to others? That's kind of where James is going. So last week we ended on a piece on, on unhealthy speech, which focused on complaining, on grumbling, on murmuring, interesting word there, where we murmur against one another. James is saying that's unhealthy, and he wants us to contrast that approach with a way of love. And so we pick up this idea then of unhealthy speech, healthy speech, as the way forward. So we'll pick it up at verse 12, chapter 5. James writes, Above all, my beloved, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. So James begins the unit with another example of unhealthy speech. And the unhealthy speech here is that of making oaths. Jesus talks about the making of oaths in Matthew 5, 33 to 37, and saying, don't, don't go there. Just say what you mean, say it, say it honestly, rather than making up stories and whatever, which is the idea of oaths. You swear on something, and that is supposed to uh, confirm your action, but uh, frequently it, it had nothing to do with it. 
So James is beginning, verse 12, don't carry on with this unhelpful form of speech pattern, which can be hurtful, but engage in honest, true, compassionate speech, which resonates with Jesus' own words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. So no longer unhelpful speech, but healthy speech, positive speech. And James goes with that in terms of prayer. So we see that in verse 13. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. So healthy speech, James is saying, is one in which we carry forth in a, in a spirit of prayer, in a conversation with God, what he's saying as individuals, starts there, before he goes to the community, starts with individuals. As individuals, we are to live our lives in relationship with God and then speak out of that. So if it's, if it's in time to suffering, we, we know that God is with us and we speak having that presence of God. If, if it's good and happy times, we're singing songs of praise. Good, bad, it doesn't matter. It's always a spirit of prayer in the sense that we are living out of our relationship with God. That, as Christians, is how we carry on, day to day. So in our daily walk, we saw last week the spirituality of dailiness, in our daily walk, we go forward in a heart that is grateful and thankful to God for what he's done for us. So a couple of quotes on prayer, just as an example. Joan Chichester again, point, prayer is not a technique, she writes. It is an attitude of mind, a quality of soul, and a dimension of the daily. That's the important part. It's a dimension of the daily. Each day, through our entire lives, knowing Jesus, we are in conversation with Abba the Father. We are in conversation with Christ through the Holy Spirit. This three in one, this great trinity, but at the same, the great unity. Father, Son, Spirit together. So we are in conversation with the Godhead, and that leads us forth in a, in a spirit of, of grace and mercy with others. So it's a dimension of the daily. Meister Eckhart wrote centuries ago, if the only prayer you say in your life is thank you, that would suffice. I like that. Let gratitude shape our hearts and minds. Not judging, not critiquing, not being angry with one another, but a grateful heart knowing that God is with me, whether it's good times or hard times, whether my body is healthy or unhealthy at the moment. Sickness, or everything's fine. To go forward in a sense of connection with God and with gratitude. I mean, we know ultimately our bodies are gonna break down, right? I went to dermatologist this week. New guy, hadn't seen him before. My other guy had retired. And I go in there and I say, uh, well, you know, I've got these spots on my face and I had some spots in my hands. And he looks at them, he says, draw close. He really wants me close, He's, I go forward. He says, closer. Before I know it, like I'm like half an inch away from the guy and he's got this big light and he's looking at it all. And he says, no, that, that, that's not any real problem. It's just uh, age spots. All right, there we are. Our body starts changing, goes through this little process. In spite of all that, and we all have it, 
Eckhart is saying, say thank you, that would suffice. So James begins with the individual and says our speech is to flow out of this heart connection with God. That, that's where he's at, that's what he's saying. So it's inviting us to go through our day, whatever day that is for us, in a spirit of conversation, a dimension of the daily spirituality of dailiness. That's our invitation, James says. That's where we begin. That's a, that's a good example, he says, of healthy speech. So as you connect in the body of Christ, James is saying to this group in Jerusalem, we, we all go with that as our guideline, our horizon. We're going forward in a healthy speech, concern for one another in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So he begins there. But of course, he carries on and now he starts talking to the community. It's the verse we know well, are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Lovely statement. But what, where it's going with the healthy speech is now, okay, now we're connecting with the community. And specifically here, it is with the leadership. The, the word here is elders, but it could also be pastors. It could be deacons. It's, it's the leaders of the faith community are connected with us so that we are praying for one another. It, it reminds us that ministry is not just about administrative details, right? It's not just about creating strategies to go forward. It is connecting on a pastoral level with one another. That's hopefully what we're all about in leadership, that we are helping people to feel that they are not alone, that we have their back. That's the idea. To communicate in love. And specifically, the example here is of prayer of gathering around when we're able to do that and praying for one another, anointing with, with oil. I know a number of you use olive oil as a way of concern, prayer, connecting with the Father. And so it's, it's, it's as us as a group showing concern. So it looks at leadership in the church, but then it also looks at friendship in the church. It reminds us that we are, we are in this together. So look at verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And then it goes on to speak about Elijah who was a person just like us and whose prayers were extremely effective. So it didn't rain and then it rains. It's, it's, it's powerful. James is saying that's that's how we are to relate to one another, confess our sins to one another, pray with one another. So it's a friendship circle here. It's not just a leadership, but now it's us, you. You and the body of Christ here at Western Park Baptist Church, how you're connecting and relating to others and supporting one another through the daily routine. That, that's, that's the invitation. And of course, that's harder and harder to do. In a, in a city church, here we have a city of four and a half million people in the greater area, and we all live dispersed. I mean, Jerusalem was a small area. It was a city of 100,000, and it would get bigger at the festival times, population-wise, but, but it was, as a space, it was quite contained around the walls. 
here in the city of Toronto, we are all over the place. So it's harder and harder, it's challenging to, to model this kind of connectivity that James is asking for, but to confess our sins, to be friends together, to be praying for one another, to not just be talking about whatever, you know, sports or entertainment or what's new on the news cycle, but to actually be praying and speaking of things concerning our faith. James invites us to do that. So to be speaking in a way that uplifts one another and helps one another. A ministry of reconciliation. Body together. We are a church body. Paul uses the language of a physical body in Ephesians 4. We are connected one another, ligament to ligament. And so that's the illustration that James is drawing on. We relate to one another and we speak together in care and conversation. A community of concern, of compassion, of mercy and grace, reaching out to folk who are having a hard time, reaching out to people who are having a challenging time in their faith. James ends with that example, going after people who are struggling, helping people to know they are not alone. So the invitation to be that kind of body, um, concerned one for another. So where does that take us? So we are to pray individually and speak with one another in a way that is compassionate. As a faith community, we are also to do it. We see it with the example of the leadership, but we also see it with the examples of friendship circles and within the community. So having said that, what's the so what? Well, number one, the, the community of faith speaks to all of these issues. If you like, the church is a microcosm of Israel. And all the stuff that Israel went through, if you read Exodus, and Deuteronomy, through the Pentateuch, all that stuff, all the highs and lows, all the battles, external battles, internal battles, all of that, all of that happens within the church community. We are a microcosm of Israel. Paul says later, we are the new Israel. And so all of those dynamics are going on. People mess up. People sin. James is saying, basically, get over it, man. That's, that's the way we are. So we are to minister to one another and, and not banish people, but to recognize that, hey, we're all there. We are all there. We are Israel. So James is saying, within that dynamic, we are to be a supportive community, a merciful community, a compassionate community. We are all on that way. And of course, Paul's great descriptor in 1 Corinthians 13 is that we are to be a community driven by love. We use the caption, we receive grace and we give grace. We give love, we receive love. So note Paul's statement in 1 Corinthians 13. It's quite dramatic. If I give all I possess to the poor, meaning all my money, if I give all my money away and give over my body to hardship or even to death, that is, become a martyr, go into the flames, if I do all that, James says, or Paul says, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So I give my entire estate away. You give all your money away. You sell your house and give it all away. 
And you go somewhere and you become a martyr for the faith. Paul says you can do all that. But if it's not done in love, if you don't really love people where you are at, then it means nothing. I gain nothing. The whole thing is blanked out. A big X through the whole thing. It's all about love. So the whole dynamic of the church community is to be one that's governed by love. All these other things, they can be very great. They can be wonderful. But if it's not done in love, it means nothing. You know, we often hear these, that kind of statement done at weddings. But that, that's not what Paul had in mind when it was written. He's talking about the dynamic of the faith community, 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, the whole community in Corinth is messed up. That's what's going on there. And Paul says, we are to be governed by love. James essentially is saying the same thing to the church in Jerusalem. So John of the Cross says, where there is no love, put love, and you will find love. And that's a good summary of what Paul is saying and what James is saying. Where there is no love, meaning where people are messing up and acting out, where there is no love, our response is not to be one of judgment and critique, but put love. And then as we put the love, it will draw love. It, it becomes that magnetic power that we've talked about. Our love will draw love. Where there is no love, put love, and you will find love. We are to be a community of faith, community of hope, and ultimately a community of charity, of love. Love is what lasts. Love is eternal. In the new heavens and the new earth, it is a place of love. That's our invitation. So we are to go forward as we come up to the Easter season, as we finish the Lenten season, with a heart that hopefully is soft, which is pliable, and which is tender to the working of the Holy Spirit, that we might be indeed a community of love. Particularly for James, speaking words of love. I don't know if you saw the story or watched the interview with Oprah this past week of Harry and James, I mean, uh, Megan, sorry, I'm thinking of James, but Prince Harry, the Duchess, Megan. And as you know, there have been problems, communication problems within the royal family, and it comes to a head, and now they have this interview in L.A., I guess, with Oprah. And, and what do we hear? We hear stories where there was unclear communication and where people felt hurt on both sides. People feel hurt, not listened to. You're not taking me seriously. You're critiquing. You're even critiquing my, my child. It, it's, it's that kind of unhealthy speech. And we all hear it and we wonder, wow, like, you know, wow, that sounds kind of much and what's going on? We're living in that kind of luxury but still having these kinds of dynamics. But you know, that, that's our microcosm. That's where we're all at. We could look at families all across the city of Toronto, all across the country, where there are problems communicating and where there is jealousy and lack of patience and anger and people 
act out. People even shoot and kill other family members. It's not just with the royal family. It's in our own hearts. And James sees it in the first century. And here we are 20 centuries later, and we still have it in our own world. And what will carry on Weston Park Baptist Church for another hundred years is not, not a new building, man. I'm all for the building. We want that. That'll be great. But it's ultimately about love. If we do not have a spirit of love, then we won't last a hundred years. A spirit of friendship, a spirit of mercy, a spirit of compassion. That's what people want and need. I pray that that will be what we will demonstrate and radiate to our area, to this part of the city of Toronto, a spirit of love, care, concern. And may we do that starting with one another here in the body. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.